Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in worship again this morning. How many people enjoyed worship this morning? Amen. Well, I thank God uh, every day. I just love Life Christian Centre, and it's not just because I'm the lead pastor here, uh, but because of the many incredible people that God has brought into this church, the incredible gifts uh, that God has brought into this church. And I feel blessed uh, to be doing church uh, with so many great people. I think about every department that we have, and when I think about each department, I just see individuals that are incredibly committed to God and have a vision of the kingdom of God and serving faithfully every single week, whether it's children or youth or worship or production or I'm going to miss some out and then I'm going to get into big trouble, seniors, uh, love in action and, uh, and all the other departments that we have in this church. Um, one of the gifts that we have uh, is, uh, is Vincent. And Vincent came uh, to be part of our church some years ago. Yep. And uh, just an incredible uh, person who oversees our prayer ministry. Uh, we've tried to get it going for many years and struggled. Uh, but Vincent is a prayer warrior. Uh, he's really a man who prays and uh, intercedes in the presence of God. He loves God, had a lot of ex- has a lot of experience in, in the kingdom, in ministry, in different areas. And uh, married to Sydney. <laughs> Cindy, <laughs> and um, just, a, just a great man of God. And I know that we're going to hear from God's heart above all else as he shares the word today. So would you give him a big, warm welcome as he comes to share this morning? Praise God. God is good. Amen. Amen. As I always say, it's awesome always to be home. I want to encourage you this morning before we get started. I want to invite you, would you stand with me? We're going to give God glory. We're going to put our hands together and proclaim the name of Jesus in this place today. We're going to shout hallelujah. We're going to shout Jesus. We're going to shout praise unto the name of Jesus, unto the name of the Lord God Almighty who saves and heals. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, mighty God. We say glory unto your holy name. Oh, would you be glorified, O Lord God, this morning we pray. Oh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand before you this morning. Hungry and thirsty, your people, we've come. We want to hear from you. Would you speak to us, O God? Would you usher us in that place of encounter with you this morning? We pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and take control. I surrender all that I have and all that I am. I empty myself before you, Lord God. I repent of my sins, O God, and say, forgive me of my sins, O Lord, and let nothing in me hinder the work that you are doing in this place today. Let nothing in me hinder the delivery of your word today, O Lord God. Have your way, Holy Spirit. 
Speak to us and minister to us, we pray. In the mighty and glorious name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I thought of giving you a small story to start with. This story goes like this. Uh, it's a true story. Recently, I uh, had the, the privilege to be with uh, a friend and a little kid who was about three or five around that age group happened to be in the room where two adults were talking and uh, as they were talking, they were dividing things or trying to share things between themselves. And they go, yeah, I'll take this, and the other one, I'll take that, and I'll take this and take that. And how about this one? And one of them said, let's leave that to the young chap. And suddenly, from near around the floor level, or the floor level of the room, came a small voice. Excuse me, let's say, for name's sake. Excuse me, Vincent. My name is not a small chap. I have a name. How sweet. In our lives, there is something that I come to know that we have very little control of, at least to some degree, and that's our names. A child is born, in some cultures, before the child is even born, the parents have decided the name. In others, the child is born, and then the parents start discussing what name shall we give to this child, him or her. And uh, as they come up with the name, the child bears that name, grows with it. We grow to love that name. We grow to call that name and to be identified by that name. So today I'm going to take you in the scriptures to one story of a name as well. So if you have your Bible with you, would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 32? Genesis chapter 32, we're going to read from verse 24 to 30. If you've got it, Bible says, Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak, until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched his, the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have wrestled with God and with men and have prevailed. When Jacob asked, saying, then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, what is it that you ask about my name? 
and he blessed him there. So Jacob called the, the name of the place Peniel, for I have I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. The background of this story is that Jacob, we know him by name as the deceiver. Jacob happened to be with his brother Esau and their father growing old. Jacob, with the help of his mother, tricked his father to get the blessings of his brother Esau. As Jacob did that, Esau was not home. Esau returned home to find out that Jacob has taken his blessings and Esau was furious. The recent translation says, Jacob, uh, Esau said to Jacob, I will kill you today. That's my translation, so don't use it. <laughs> Esau came, he was furious. He wanted to sort out this situation with his brother, Jacob. And Jacob found himself in refuge to his uncle Laban. Jacob ran to Laban for nearly 20 years. Jacob lived at Laban's place. And the deceiver got himself, himself deceived. Excuse me. Jacob got deceived for nearly 20 years. He lived at Laban's place. And Jacob decided, this is too much. I've been on refuge. I have no peace. And suddenly, God began to show himself to Jacob in mysterious ways. God began to appear to Jacob in ways that he cannot deny. He wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and then came to a point and said, I better go and make peace with my brother. I better return home and make peace with Esau. And as Jacob decided to return to make peace with Esau, on his way home, Bible says, he came to a place, this one particular place where I want to talk about. He came to a place where in chapter uh, 32, verse 27, but verse 26 said, he got there and started thinking, how am I going to do this? Started dividing things and sent part of his um, servants and everything ahead of him, put them in groups and sent them still trying to come up with a way how I can trick my brother to forgive me, how I can make this peace with my brother. And as Jacob was doing that, came to that place where he started saying things like David said in Psalms, I am no longer afraid of man. What can man do to me? I will trust the Lord. Because Jacob began to see the presence of God. Jacob was so confident that God was in control. God was in charge. In Psalm 56, 11 says, 
In God, I put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Things such, Jacob began to say, I will go and see my brother. Even if he is to sort it out with me, I put my trust in God. Just like David said in Psalm 118 and said, The Lord is by my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can Esau do to me? I'm going to go back because I have seen God. Jacob, he is a, a man who has come to a place where he saw God. And he built an altar and called it Bethel. And he came to another place uh, called um, uh, Namah, uh, Naha. Nahamaim, I think it is. Forgive me if I forgot, I forgot to spell it properly. I practiced. <laughs> I tried. Actually, he came to another place where he saw God. And he said, these are two camps. I can see God. He was so confident. He was so sure that God is by his side. And began to say to himself, I will not be afraid of man. I will go and see my brother. I will go and make peace with my brother. And in this place, Jacob came. In the scripture we read, as Jacob was preparing how to go and meet his brother, he decided sent all of them and then left with his two wives and finally comes end of day and Jacob said to the wife let's cross the Jebok um, the fort of Jebok and over the other side he told them you go over and I will follow you he was left alone there comes a time when you're trying to sort out things in life you feel like you're left alone. There comes a time when you are confident of God's presence as you're trying to work out to make peace with others. As you're trying to get to, get to a place where you can see things begin to fall in place. You happen to be feel like, feeling like you are left alone. Such was Jacob in that place. Quite a very interesting place. Truly interesting place. As in verse 26 of the scripture we read, he says, And he said to him, let me go for daybreak. Jacob was left alone. He knew nobody was there. The only thing that was in his mind was his brother Esau. The only thing that he thought of is how to make peace with Esau. As he was left alone, a man wrestled with him at night. I am thinking in Jacob's mind, what would have he thought? This got to be Esau. This got to be nobody but Esau. Who else would meet me here? As he wrestled with the man, he was keen to find out who the man was. As the man wrestled with Jacob, all night, it feels at times like you've been wrestling with everybody and with God. You feel like though you are alone in that place, even God doesn't seem to support you in what you're doing, apparently. Jacob wrestled with God without him knowing it. And at dawn of day, he begins to cry out. Uh, the man begins to cry out to Jacob and say, let me go. Before the day breaks. 
Let me go before the day breaks. Sometimes it feels like at that moment where you feel all alone and you wrestle and wrestle and wrestle, you don't know what with, and you feel like, I better just let go. You feel like, I better just let go. And the man cried out to Jacob and said, let me go. And the man, asked, uh, Jacob asked the man and said to the man, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go. He put his foot down. You have wrestled with me, but this is my moment. I want to know who you are. Verse 27 says, so he said to him, what is your name? This question translates as, what is your identity? The man asked Jacob, what is your identity? What, when people look at you, what do they say? When people look at you, who do they see? The angel of God did not forget who Jacob was. He did not forget who he wrestled with. And when he asked him the question, what is your name? It is not that he did not know what is his name. He wanted Jacob to tell him what does he see of himself. Who do you know of yourself? What is your identity? Sometimes God asks intriguing questions to people who are found in precarious situations. It's not that God is unaware of the situation. It's not that God is unaware of the answer. He knows all the answer. He is omniscient God. Yet he has the question, what is your name? You may feel like God is asking you the same question this morning. What is your name? When people look at you, what do they see? What do you say of yourself? So Jacob said to the man, before anything else, he said, my name is Jacob. Quick to answer. Oh, I've got a good, uh, I've got, I've got good news for you today. For Bible says, in Exodus 33, verse 17, God said to Moses, So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing I have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I have known you by name. The good news is, even as God is asking, what is your name? What do you say of yourself? The Lord says, you have found favor in my, my presence. You have found grace before me, for I know you by name. The Lord knows you and I by name. Before my father could decide and say, this child will be called Vincent. And whatever he was having in mind, God already had a thought on me. God already had a thought on you. Bible says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I knew you. I sanctified you. I ordained you, priest to the nations. 
God has his thought on you. God has his mind on you before you were born. He knows your identity to the minute description of it, to the molecular size of it, to the very, very, very microscopic level of it. God knows you and I. And when God asks you today, what is your name? It's not that God has forgotten either your situation or your name. God wants you to identify yourself in his presence. What do you see of yourself in that moment, in that place where you are, in the situation where you are, in that wrestling that you have been in, in that place where you have wrestled with God, in that place where you feel like everything is going against you? The good news is God knows you. And yet he wants to hear from you. What do you say of yourself? And number two, this question translates as what is an inquiry what to your persona? What is your name? Is an inquiry to your persona. A persona is what a person is identified or specified as. What he is represented to be, to others or to himself. What is your specification? It is about pinpointing the very fabric of who I see myself as. It is about distinguishing. How do you distinguish? What do you distinguish? Uh, what are you distinguished as? It is about affinity. What is Vincent really? What are you? Who are you? What is your characteristic? What is your character? It's the many of what this question could be translated as. Jesus spoke to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 to 19, and said, what do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered Jesus and said, You are the Christ, son of, uh, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered Peter and said, Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. That is a kind of a moment if I would be allowed to say it feels like that place where uh, Jacob was when the angel asked him, what is your identity? And here, Peter is in that similar place where Jesus asked, what do you say of me? There is nothing you can answer that will make substance. There is nothing you can answer that will make sense to the questioner except that which the questioner has revealed unto you. If God finds me in that place where I feel like I'm all alone, I feel like I'm wrestling, I feel like nothing is working, oh God, where are you? In this kind of moment of questioning and say, God, I want to do everything right, but it feels like everybody, including you, are fighting against me, are wrestling with me. And yet God asks a question. There is no better answer except that which comes from God revealed to me. And that moment, Simon Peter answered, it feels like, if I'm allowed, I would say it feels like a penial encounter where Simon Peter, yet in front of Jesus with the disciples, Simon Peter was receiving a revelation from God directly. And Jesus confirms and said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. 
except my Father who is in heaven. And listen to this. Verse 19 and said, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And uh, verse 18 said, and also, and I also say to you that uh, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. And I will give you also the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. It feels like that moment of encounter when God begins to reveal things to you. He begins to commission you. When God begins to reveal your identity in him, he begins to commission you. He begins to give you a new assignment. As Peter here received a new assignment, we can run back to the scripture we read in Genesis 32. And when Simon, uh, uh, when Jacob wrestled with the angel, after the end, uh, he gave his identity to the angel and the angel blessed him. Not only a name change that uh, Jacob received, but he received a blessing. He received an assignment. What we're talking about here is not just a name change. It's not just an identity as what's your name, Vincent, and I move on. Jacob, in the place, built an altar and said, I have seen the face of God and my life was preserved. I've seen God face to face and my life was preserved. We have taken communion today. And my prayer for you and I today is that as we have taken communion today, this morning, that we may be found at that penial place of encounter with God. As we take communion, we are not just doing a ritualistic uh, celebration or partaking, but we are in the presence of God, partaking of what God has revealed to us. Because I tell you what, when Jesus said to the disciples, the 72, and said, I am the bread of life, 60 left him, 12 were left. They were like, this is hard to, uh, to comprehend. Let me tell you this. You are in this place today. Those seated in this place, you are standing in the presence of the holy God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are standing in the presence of the God of our salvation. And God today wants to have an encounter with you. Even as we take communion today, even as we have taken communion today, I want to tell you and say, my prayer today is that you will be found in that place of face-to-face with God, where God will not only say, now you are a Christian because you have taken communion, now you have done your rituals, now you have come to church, but where God begins to change the fabric of who you are deep within. My prayer today as we take communion is that there will be a transformation that goes beyond what men can see. My prayer today is that you and I will begin to build an altar of Peniel and say, I just not did go to church today, but I was in the presence of God and my life was preserved. God did not condemn me, nor did he judge me, but he welcomed me and forgave me. That's my prayer this morning for you and I. Oh, you may say to me, but look, Vincent, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, Bible says, for the thought I have for you are the thought, says the Lord. For the plans I have for you, says the Lord, are the plans to, uh, for good and not for disaster. The plans for the future and for the hope.
You may say, oh no, Vincent, you know what? Though I believe in that, I trust God for that, and I know as I come in the presence of God, I'm hoping and I'm trusting God. But I don't see anything happening as yet. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Jesus says, oh, uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 17, uh, chapter 5, verse 17, and said in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold. I love that word, behold. Look and see, inspect and see that everything has become new. If someone is in Christ, everything is gone. You may say, oh no, but I'm still struggling with the old. The old man is still resurrecting in me and is still dragging me. But the Bible says, as you are in Christ, as you stand in the presence of God today, the old is passed away. The grace of God is upon you and I. The favor of God is upon you and I. So that the transformation that God only can bring begins to take place. We are in that place, Peniel, this morning. And my cry is that you will build an altar before the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I surrender. It's a place where we build an altar of surrender. It's a place where we build an altar of saying, God, I will not let you go. I will not leave your presence. I will not turn away from you until you do something in me this morning. And you may say to me again and say, but look, Vincent, you know what? I am still seeing things not really changing. It's been a long time that I've been struggling with this and I've been trying to get this work. Oh, let me tell you this. The good news is that it is not about embracing the Christian name or changing a Christian name. For some of us who come from a culture where my name is difficult to even pronounce, let alone write it down, three consonants before a vowel comes in. You look at it and go, wow, you need a name change. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is beyond the name change. What I'm talking about is where God begins to change the Vincent deep within. When God begins to go deeper in me and say, it's about time that I touch you. Now it's about time, as we've taken communion this morning, where I say, God, I will not go. It's about time you touch me today. It's about time that on this altar today, I surrender before you. Yes. The Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we are in the presence of the Lord this morning. As I pray that you will say today, Lord, you and I in this place this morning. You and I in this place this morning. I'm not in a hurry. Lord, I'm not in a hurry to let you go, nor to leave this place. I need a touch from you. Would you present yourself this morning as a living sacrifice unto the Lord? Would you present this, uh, yourself this morning before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to build a peniel place in this place where I will see your face even as we take communion that you will begin to touch me because you are standing in the presence of the living God. You are standing in the holy presence of God. Before we get close, 
I want to encourage you to begin to look at that for as we stand in the presence of God this morning. Jesus, by the grace of God, presents you before God as redeemed. You are redeemed by the grace of God. Would you release yourself in the presence of God this morning? Genesis 20, 32, verse 29 and 30, I want to finish with, says this. Verse 29, then Jacob asked and said, tell me your name. I pray that this morning, it will be a time that you start crying out to God and say, I want to know you. God, I want to know you. Not only I want you to touch me, lest I walk out of here, I don't know who touched me, but I want to know you, God. Jacob began to cry and say, tell me your name. Reveal yourself to me. Would you reveal yourself to me, O oh God? It's my prayer this morning. And say, Lord, as we've taken communion, I will build an altar this moment. I'll give you an opportunity to say, would you build an altar and say, Lord, would you reveal yourself to me? Tell me your name. You may come to a place where you begin to feel like God is answering back and say, what is it that you ask my name? He says this, let me tell you, good news is, you seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. God is in this place this morning. The presence of God is here this morning. Would I invite you to stand with me this morning? So Jacob called that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. I have not been judged. I have not been condemned. I have not been outcast. I have not been pushed away. And yet my life has been preserved because Jesus presents you as redeemed before God this morning. And as we build an altar before the Lord this morning, I want to encourage you to come to that moment of saying, God, you and I alone in this place. Though in the midst of multitude, let me be in that place of one-on-one -on -one encounter with you. If every eye, is, uh, every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I want to give you an opportunity. If you feel like Jacob in that place where you feel all alone, or as I was speaking, there is a specific word that God dropped into your heart that touched you, and you say, I want to build an altar before the Lord, for I want to see God take me into that penial encounter. I want to give you an opportunity to build an altar before the Lord. And I will stand by your side and pray with you. May not be physically by your side there, but I will pray with you this morning. Would you raise your hand and then just put it down right back. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Maybe you say, thank you. Maybe you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to keep running like Jacob. And it feels like at times when I want to make peace with God, 
I want to come in the presence of God. It feels like everything is going against me. It feels like I'm wrestling with even God that I want to uh, approach. And you want to give your life to Jesus this morning. This is a moment. Would you raise your hand and then put it right back and we'll pray with you. I want to encourage you to build an altar even as uh, we sing this song. As we sing, I don't want you to just sing. I want you to build an altar and present yourself before the Lord. And if you raise your hand, I will let Pastor Joe pray with you this morning as uh, when he closes the service. For an outstanding word. It's a great word. You know, as Vincent has said, all of us have been given a name. But often it's not that name that has the greatest impact in our lives. Often it's the names we give ourselves that actually have the greatest impact. Failure, fearful, dysfunctional, uh, anxious, depressed, inadequate. And on and on it goes. It's the names we give ourselves. And we wrestle with those names day in and day out. And God invites us to a place called Peniel. He invites us to a place where we can have an encounter with God. And he says, no longer shall you be called Jacob. But as of today, you shall be called Israel. Because you have wrestled with God and overcome wonder what name you've given yourself wonder what name you wrestle with every single day trying to convince yourself that it's not you you wrestle with your thoughts the enemy that tries to bring you down why don't we present it to the Lord, as Vincent has so beautifully said. Build an altar and present it to the Lord. God says, I have a new name for you. Father, we just thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your presence here today. We thank you that as a church, you've led us to this place called Peniel. Father, you know the names that we wrestle with every single day. You know the names that we can't just shake off. The names that the, the enemy continuously reminds us of. The names that our own circumstances, situations, behaviours remind us of. The names that people remind us of. This morning we just place it at the altar and we say, Lord, would you minister into those deepest areas of our lives? Because we don't want to wrestle anymore. We thank you that the battle belongs to you, not our battle to fight. We thank you that in Christ Jesus, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That in Christ Jesus, we can be transformed, becoming more and more like Jesus every day. So Lord, would you minister healing 
into the depth of our soul. And Lord, will you give us a new name that represents who you have called us to be and who you want us to be. We love you so much, Lord. Love you so much, Lord. Bind every work of the enemy. Bind every lie of the devil. Bind every lie of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we bind every lie of the enemy in Jesus' name. Every stronghold, we bind it in the name of Jesus. Let the lies be exposed in Jesus' name. Let the truth prevail, Lord God. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for healing in the lives of so many of us today. I thank you for the, for the healing grace of God in this place today. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, one more time. Just sing that chorus.